0: we <laughs> And welcome back to Wavemaker Talks, a podcast discussing a range of positively provoking topics to get us all thinking about how we can unlock, maximize, and transform both personally and professionally. This season, we're celebrating Black History Month with our Black and Proud series, hosted by me, Fella.
1: And me, Lovelin. Over the four episodes, we'll be looking at how Black history is taught in schools, navigating 2020 as a Black person, and reflecting upon a range of experiences and identities in advertising and media.
0: In this episode, we are joining joined by Paul Hutchinson, CEO of Wavemaker UK, Rob Jane, Chief Talent Officer of Wavemaker UK, and Mick Style, CEO of Wavemaker North, as we talk about their experiences in media and their plans for Wavemaker moving forward.
1: As tough as the year this has been, it's pushed uncomfortable but important conversations to the forefront. So grab your tea, Supermalt or Spice Punch and let's get into it.
0: We first wanted to start out with getting your thoughts on how diversity has changed in the industry since you guys began working in it. I'm going to hand that question off to Mick first. I think it's
2: moved slowly. I've been in the industry a long time. It's moved slowly, no doubt about that. But it's speeding up. um, And I I guess what I mean by that is that some of the figures I've looked at in terms of the composition of agencies, media agencies in particular, has become a lot more representative over the last couple of years. And I, I found some IPA, uh, it was a um, 2019 uh, study, but IPA study which showed that media agencies have a BAME background of 15%, 15.2% of the proportion of our uh, industry, which seems to me to be round about the UK uh, average in terms of representation. Now, I think that probably hides a lot of challenges in terms of the representation within senior roles is way short of that. But overall, I think it has, composition-wise, has changed and has moved quickly over the last couple of years. And it feels like, to me, that it's reached more of a tipping point than ever before, partly because of global events and Partly, sadly, that it's we're getting daily reminders of how unjust and how unrepresentative our societies are. But as as the industry, I think it has improved, but has taken a long time to do so. Hutch, what do you think?
3: I think about it in, um, in in two ways. One is the work that the industry produces, and I think the other is the composition of, of, of agencies. And I think I think overall, both have changed slowly. There have been moments, I think, of real change, but I think there have been moments and and steps and things we can point to. But how much of that has continued and the acceleration has continued, I'm I'm unsure. But if I think about one of the very first campaigns I I worked on back in uh, late 90s, early 2000, was was a campaign for the Halifax. And it was transformational for banking because the campaign was actually effectively a pop video was the TV ad. And in the launch video was a, a a member of the Halifax staff called Howard, Howard Brown, a black employee from Birmingham. And he sang the lyrics to a well-known song, Remade Up Lyrics. And during that ad, he he sang to a fish. You know, so it was some quite unusual things were going on for banking advertising. And Howard was the star, which at the time was, you know, quite unusual. So I think. If I think about the work today, I think the the representation in work is a lot more diverse than it was. Uh, I'm not saying it's as diverse as it should be, but I think that's moved probably more quickly than if we we then look internally at at agencies. And I guess you can move the dial on the work potentially more quickly than we can move the dial on the composition in agencies. Uh, And if I think about our agency today, does it actually look and feel more diverse than the agency that I joined 20, 25 years ago. Not enough, no. Um, I think there's been significant strides in gender diversity at all levels, but that's probably been the only area where it's getting to somewhere closer to what I believe is is acceptable and as it should be. So there's a lot more work to be done for sure. I
0: completely hear that as well. I remember that Halifax advert um, actually. You're too young. No, no, no. No, no you, you remember young. that. Yeah, no, I remember that. That was a very, that was a great, Right, in my opinion, seeing my uncle up on stage, it was wonderful. Um, Tremendous
3: advertising. It worked brilliantly well. It cut through. Um, it was transformational for for many reasons, but also because the star of the ad was a, a black banker from Birmingham.
0: Yeah, it was definitely unusual, especially him singing to a fish. That was, that was <laughs> for sure. the most unusual thing. But uh, Rob, do you have any any views on how the diversity has changed over... Years in the industry, I do, and I, and I've not
4: just worked in in this industry in the last, uh, if I say it quickly, twenty years or so of my working uh, life. And so, I think that it's the same across a plethora of different industries. To be honest, the thing for me, and I agree with everything that both Hutch and, and Mick said, uh, particularly the speed with which change has occurred, and the fact that Hutch is quite right that. Today, this business will look different to how it looked 20, 25 years ago, but it won't look as different as as it should. But for me, the nature of the discussions around diversity have really, in the last sort of 12 months or so, I think, 12, 20 months, have really fundamentally changed for the better. And I think now, whenever I'm involved in any conversations ab- about diversity inclusion they're really open honest almost barrierless boundaryless conversations now and the level of understanding about the scale of uh, the mountain that's in front of us is is i think now more apparent and people are more open and more honest about that than they were you know, just a couple, you know, a year ago, a couple of years ago. And an example of that would be, I think, that if we had tried to have a conversation as a business a couple of years ago about the fact that systemic racism exists in society, and by definition, therefore, in this business and in every business, then I think that we would have encountered answers like, yeah, but it's, you know, we're not making biased decisions. We're not making decisions based on race we're not we are not a racist business we're making honest decisions that are performance centered and the outcomes are the outcomes and we need to think about how we hire people and now thankfully the debate has moved on from that massively because the truth is is unconsciously society in in western culture is racist it is and i'm a 44 year old white middle class working middle-class man that grew up in an environment where I didn't know that that was the case. It's not intentionally the case, but it is the case. And policies, procedures, be they in society, in businesses, in the way that you think, we're now at the point where you have to unpick all of those. And so now, at least, we are consciously aware that we have to do it. That, for me, was a massive, massive, massive tipping point. In for, for, for it was a massive tipping point for me personally and I've got examples in my life about when that's happened which we can share later or whatever but it's changed the debate and made it honest and it's, and it's made it really focus in on the right things because yes of course we have to hire more diversely of course we have to think about where we're acquiring talent from of course we do To get better at hiring more diverse inclusive talent in wave maker as every business out there i'm sure is thinking about but unless we change the kind of system in itself that people are joining then in the end as it has been change is going to be a slow burner
3: one other change i wouldn't mind just pointing out that i've certainly seen in the industry and in agencies is it almost used to be the last question or the last comment in a meeting or the last agenda item on a board meeting agenda would be, oh, and diversity and inclusion. And it's gone from the bottom of the AOB list to the top of the uh, actual meeting agenda. So, um, you know, that transformation, I think, is is real. And as I say, I don't think things have changed quickly enough, but it's no longer a side conversation. It's absolutely a top tier Conversation. It's also quite interesting how
2: some of the, even the names of uh, the training that we've had over the course of the last few years, um, I remember having unconscious bias training, which was very valid. Um, but um, more recently, we've got in, in fact, I've got in, I'm sure some of us on the call have already had the conscious inclusion training initiated by Group M. Uh, Minds next week. But the very naming of that um, of that training I, I think signals something which is less apologetic and as Hut says bottom of the agenda kind of unconscious training a little bit apologetic I'm sure you must have these biases but we'll try and uncover that into something a lot more urgent as in actually no you need to be thinking much more consciously about that so you know really good to see that we Wavemaker and part of Group M are, are starting to do uh, more of those active initiatives, which um, I, I know I need and I imagine all of us need it, but it's um, it's a, a powerful reframing of the importance of the issues we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, agreed. And uh, change, is a, change is a big one, and we're always talking about change and how we can improve. So speaking of improvements, do you guys have any campaigns that you've worked on in the past that now you're thinking oh, I don't know if I would do that again or if that would quite land in this environment. And um, Regrets is a strong word, but do you have any campaigns you're like, do you know what, maybe not. You don't have to add the client, don't worry about that. <laughs> Keep it anonymous, but just generally, do you have anything? So
3: there's a campaign I worked on, which I'd really like to talk about, which never saw the light of day. It was for a, for a food brand, and the food brand was trying to associate itself with the most delicious sandwiches in the world. Uh, And the insight um, from the advertising agency at the time was the best sandwiches are made in a New York deli by an Italian guy. Um, So stereotypical ad guy in a house coming down, getting ready for work. And he turned around and he looked at his wife in the kitchen. who was making his sandwich for his lunch. And as with, Advertising things went into fantasy. And as he looked at his wife, she became an Italian, a big Italian guy working in a New York deli. And as he went and got the sandwich from her, before he went to work, he kissed her. But in fact, it was him. Goodbye for the day. Clearly fantasy made up. The night before that ad went live, this particular brand, after instruction from America, were told that ad cannot run because there's a gay kiss in it that was in the middle of the, they called the noughties, you know, astonishing.
2: It is also about what didn't happen. Um, So I can think of um, a general sorts of businesses that I've worked on in the past, whether it's in in the retail sector, in the uh, food and drink sector, consumer packaged goods, and generally in terms of the planning of that uh, campaign of the analysis of audiences, it was um, never considered. I would say there was no kind of ethnicity, rarely considered on any of those campaigns at all. But I think it's, it's, it's as much as what we didn't think. Um, and we used to get sales pitches from I don't know. You could say Asian Asia, Asian radio network, and the conversations would be, "Well, we're not targeting Asians, so why would you? We use the Asian radio network." So it was kind of ex, we were excluding that whole sector. So. Um, any and ethnic media from, from, from our campaign planning, which I, I think has gone unaddressed almost entirely until in the last 12 months, I was saying, Perhaps we'll come on to, to talk about in a few minutes how I think Wavemaker are actually leading the way in that.
0: I hear you. So also, Anthony Murray Bruce, one of our brilliant account execs at Wavemaker UK, is one of our producers today. You had a question for the team. Go for it.
5: For me personally, how do you retain like young BAME talent, especially in a world where, or in an industry where, if you're targeting people that don't necessarily look like you, is it an industry for you? And then, if something isn't inclusive for you naturally to work in, and the work you're doing isn't like talking to people like yourself, it's hard to then get those people to go higher in the industry. It kind of makes things a bit more clearer. Like if the world that you're working in isn't exactly one hundred percent inclusive, and then like there's things that you said, like you're not going to be targeting Asian people, so why use Asian network? Just on the name alone, there's those are still challenges that are in the industry. So like, maybe it's a case of getting inclusivity higher before, you know, even working on the numbers.
4: So I think one of the things that we we are learning, and uh, I hope that we're getting better at, is elevating voices within our business to have, if you like, more amplification. And to have more empowerment to be able to drive change within the business itself, which in turn, I mean, so first of all, there isn't one size to fix retention for, for young talent in, in any organization. But it in turn hopefully begins to drive that sense of belonging for young talent in the business. We're, we're, you know, no business is obviously perfect. But as as we are trying to increase the inclusiveness of the talent that we're hiring and the environment that we're working in, I think we we have to accept that we don't have all of the answers, but we most likely have people in this business that do. And we have to continue to make sure that we're empowering people in this business to feel like they truly belong here, irrespective of... Whatever that background might be, so that the the opportunities for them are limitless, and that that can be in the voice that they have in the business, it can be the opportunities that they have to work in this business or any business, the roles that they take, the projects that they lead, the initiatives that they drive, the change that they implement, whatever it is. I th- I think often some of the some of the retention challenges that that we have found, and when we've spoken to people that are leaving, sometimes it's it's the, the feedback that you get when you unpack it is is effectively that that people didn't feel like they belonged. We can't suddenly change the makeup of our management team overnight. Whilst we go about driving change across all levels of our business, we have to make sure that people do feel like like they belong.
2: I wonder, and I guess I I question, but I really hope that it's the case that some of the communities that that Robin Hutch have been setting up in terms of Roots, Pride, Women, uh, Enable are really giving our diverse talent voices within the business. You know, I, I think that's fantastic the way that those communities have been presented back to the business. It's nothing I've had much to do with at all, but, but I certainly respect the, the Exco for pushing uh, those there. And I, I do think that those communities can help us as, as leaders in the business listen and understand more about, you know, where we're getting it wrong and what we can do better.
3: I just add to that that I think that there are some things that we can do quickly and there are many things that will happen over time because that's the nature of business. So I'm a really big believer in what gets measured, gets done. And um, for a long time, I've been provoking within our business, setting targets, setting targets Around the diverse nature of the business that we are, and some people have resisted that; others haven't. But we have targets, and we have ambitious targets. And in certain areas of the business, I'm optimistic that our, our, uh, if you like, younger black talent will see more people like them joining our business, and hopefully signals that this is a place where they can see themselves having a long-term future career. And entry level is the fastest place that we can affect that and we have in our plan and budget for 2021 significant targets about the entry level talent we want to bring into this business and and i I am confident and, and hopeful and optimistic that people will see real change in that part of the business we also have targets at the senior end of the business but often those those are slower recruits to hit because you know if i'm being brutally honest, there are less less people to choose from. That's just the nature of you know. We've recently gone out and gone for a senior hire into our business, uh, in, into our exco, and we sent the candidate list back twice because it didn't hit our diversity targets, and it didn't hit it on the third occasion either. But we needed to to get going with recruitment, and it was a case of look, you're asking for something we simply can't find. You know, and there's many ways in which we need to address that. So we need to get comfortable with maybe looking even more broadly to bring in more diverse talent at senior levels. And that's something we, we're working on at the moment to try and identify where those places are that are best for us to go and prospect to find that talent. And then the last aspect on this for, you know, do, I, do I think we're creating an environment where people can see themselves belonging in the, in the kind of medium term is it's a relatively new thing. But we are starting to come up with opportunities and identify opportunities that are exclusively for black talent. You know, there's a number of people in our business that are now getting involved in external training and programs that is designed at how do we help and facilitate our black talent getting into management and leadership positions. And that's something that has our absolute backing and support.
5: I was just about to say there was a few initiatives that have been put in place that have been fortunate enough to, to get involved in and I think those will definitely help not only like in in our industry but across all industries and it's good to see just from personal experience there are multiple industries doing similar things and that conversation it isn't just with us and me there marketing but it goes across like I saw someone from aerospace having a similar conversation so it's just it, it is good to have those things in place.
4: You know Anthony what's going to help with with that is The bit that we were all talking about earlier on in in this discussion, which is about the light that's been shone on the issues that exist in themselves, right? So creating initiatives when you don't know what problems they're trying to solve, or creating initiatives that are engineered in a way that don't get underneath the kind of existing processes, existing systems that exist in the organization or that exist in society itself, in the end perpetuate marginal gains. And We had a huge conversation earlier in the summer, late spring in our business about the concept of white privilege, which is a really uncomfortable conversation to have to have. But as a result of the fact that we had that conversation and we understood more about it as a collective management team, Exco, but also as a business, we've been able to think about how we level the playing field for people across the kind of employee estate of our organization. I don't know. We may have done. I'm not saying that we wouldn't have done, but I don't know whether we may have necessarily come to the same outcomes. I mean, it's early days. We're not done, but that we have come to without, those types of conversations at the beginning and i honestly don't know if we'd have had those conversations 18 months ago all of it is a collective kind of journey if you
0: like and definitely appreciate that as well like um i think we can all vouch for the fact that Waymaker have done a good job of trying to create that sense of learning and progression when it comes to the topic of race and inclusion. Just wanted to, as we're speaking about initiatives, um, just wanted to ask our panelists, um, are there any initiatives or technologies that have caught your attention, which you think are worth incorporating into how we plan media that we can bring to Wavemaker?
3: I'm I'm a big believer in action over words. And I think there's, the words are critical and the commitments are critical and really, really important. But I think that's that's the easy bit. It's what you then do once you've gone out and made those commitments. And with the events over in, in America early this year with George Floyd and, and um, that really brought everything back to the height of, of the agenda, rightly so, our response to that was how can we turn that into action rather than, in, than into words and commitments about what we're going to do. And um, Elliot and Emily fairhead Keane have been um, leading some tremendous work in this that is going to fundamentally transform the way in which we plan and buy media. Um, and for me, I think that is really, really critical rather than going out and making a statement about what we're going to do. We have created a product. Um, called Wavemaker Together, and in in short, the plans we produce will be as diverse as the briefs we receive from our clients. So, no audiences, no groups will be lost in the process of planning and then activating plans. So, so whatever that brief looks like at the start, we will then check back, we'll look at the diversity of of that audience in the brief, and then when we put our plans together, we'll check back and make sure that the plan we put into market is as diverse as the brief that went in at the start place. And I think Mick mentioned an example earlier where certain audiences might have dropped out from a target audience because they might be certain ethnic groups. And so we're not targeting that particular ethnic groups. That doesn't mean they don't come into the target audience. And for me, this is you know, in, in six months, we now have a way of planning and buying media, which is true to the diversity of the audiences that our clients want to reach. So I'm so excited about this and the impact that it can have for our business and and in our industry, because it's not just words, it is real, it is tangible. And I'm super excited about the impact it's gonna have. You've you've asked us about, you know, what we're doing to um, try and create an environment and a culture where everyone can feel that they belong and they can see themselves progressing and developing. So we've talked about what we are doing. What aren't we doing? What are the misses? If you were in our shoes, what would you be doing differently?
1: That is a great question. That is
0: a wonderful question. <laughs> I think from my standpoint, it would be a case of just asking more questions. Like asking as many questions as you as you like. Like there are no dumb questions, like, it's, it's the same that works um, when you're in your team. Like I have a very wonderful um, gad or lead in my team. She, she's always asking me questions. She's always, you know, just making sure like, oh, is this correct or is that not correct? Like, you know, having that curiosity and not being afraid to actually, you know, say that I don't know about this or I you know I'm I know I don't have the most information on it but I know that you possibly do could you shed some light on it I think that's a very you know mature way to go about you know having to um, tackle these sort of issues because you know we know that it's very sensitive and we know that nobody wants to get it wrong Mm. we understand that it's hard to just speak about off the cuff so Definitely asking the questions. Like we are all here in the same in the same place, in the same pot, in the same situation. Like and you know, we are all still trying to be as inclusive, like the same way that you're learning is the same way that I'm learning how to be more inclusive. So that's what I would say. I
1: do think off of the back of that though, there is definitely a line to draw which can be quite difficult in terms of how do you ask someone something because you genuinely want to know. It's just like Oh, you are legit the only black person in my life. So I don't feel like I can ask anyone else because then it becomes, I'm not an expert on all things black and I can't tell you every single thing that someone may or may not find offensive. So I think it's, mm-hmm. do you recognize my skills as a planner, an AV buyer, a research analyst or whatever part of the business I'm in? And are you asking me my opinion in that realm and in that capacity? Or are you just asking me my opinion because I'm black and it's got something to do with black like, people on the plan or the brief or whatever. And I think another thing I would say is just having time and carving it out. Um, for those of you who do or do not know, there's actually a DNI code, timesheet code that I requested to be made just so that you can be like, this is how much time I'm spending doing d and on top of my, on top of my work. So is it that everyone should have to spend X amount of hours a year? Because unfortunately, sometimes you have to force people to do things to get it done and that's just the, that's just the be on and end all but there are allies that are doing the work so how do we better engage with people that aren't currently doing work and it's just like maybe you do have to force them and be like this is X amount of hours you have to dedicate to DNI in some way in some capacity across the year and in that way hopefully when people are doing it it won't feel as a drag or a chore but something that they genuinely enjoy and as time goes on they'll be more up for it and they'll be doing it just off the back of their own whim as opposed to they feel like they're being forced or mollycoddled into
0: it yeah i mean just off the back of that like you know doing roots just doing this podcast is definitely i think yeah anthony is the one that actually brought this up to me but i also concur in the fact that it's been something that i've really enjoyed doing as well as my day job like you know, it is stressful and it is like additional work, but it's it's the type of work that makes you feel good at the end of the day, as well as doing your day job, you know, just having these sort of initiatives around is welcomed for sure.
3: That's really helpful and reassuring to hear and it, it gives me confidence in being able to have those conversations and, and everyone recognising that what we're doing, everyone's got positive intent. I think that that's really important. Is that if we all assume positive intent at the start, then I think collectively we can we can really really make a significant step forward.
2: I was quite interested in your comment, Toby, on uh, on the, the briefing where you you, you, you you talked about I think uh, inclusive cultures and uh, and you, you said I drink way more now than I ever did, <laughs> maybe six. months. <laughs> and uh, that's a, that's a the kind of amusing side to that, but it did make me think as well, um, you know, that do, do you think some of our cultural nuances of having beers after work and, 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 the, and you pick up on the music that we might play at places, do you, do you think that that can be worked on to create something which is more inclusive? Because it was a, it's a great question. How do we create a more inclusive culture And I would, again, come back to you guys to help us guide
6: that. I guess I think from a personal point of view, there definitely are sort of cultural differences. And I guess it's hard to find like an immediate fix for them to be like, okay, we're going to make this culture super inclusive to everyone because it's hard to accommodate for everyone's needs. But I guess it goes back to like the wider... The wider sort of question and wider sort of issue, I guess, in terms of just like the actual number and sort of representation of black employees and diverse employees within the business, business as a whole. Because I guess the more diverse employees you have, then the culture naturally becomes more diverse. You have to force it. It's going to be a group of people who want to do this, people who want to do that. And you kind of find your own, not your own clique or your own group, that kind of thing. But you kind of naturally have that. It's kind of hard to force an inclusive culture. So, I think for me, kind of in addition to Hutch's question as well, everything that we're doing is great in terms of the education, the open conversations, etc. But I think for me, it's just a question of literally like the number of Black employees that you have in the junior levels, in the senior levels, etc. And as that increases, I think everything kind of naturally comes with that as like a added sort of like multiplier effect. So as you get more black employees, the culture naturally becomes more, um, more diverse and then the junior employees look up to the senior employees and the retention is better, all of that kind of stuff. So I think for me it might be simplifying it a bit much, but I think it's literally just like the numbers the so numbers of sort of black employees that you have across all the different levels. I think that then, has sort of a knock-on effect of helping a lot of the other issues which can be harder to solve and there's no sort of quick fix for them, if that makes sense. I think as well, it's background because
1: not just black employees, but where are you hiring people from? Because if you're going to get X amount of black employees, but they feel like they have to assimilate into a culture, then they're just going to end up having groupthink anyway. And the benefit Mm. of having different people and different backgrounds is that they do think differently. So it's about like not stifling our creativity and how we see the world and what we think and all becoming one media mind because then it would make a difference who you hire because we're going to be one in the same anyway.
5: I want, I want to add a little a little story onto this because I think it's it's the nail on the head. So we obviously had um, a day off last Friday for Mental Health Awareness Day and everyone could choose what they wanted to do with it. I actually went golf for the first time ever. And how'd you get on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 dead. I'm I'm a shambles. But <laughs> I, it was just it was literally just something different to do. And yeah, I was the only black person probably on the course. I was um, I remember a few other wave employees, like good good close friends. But it's just something different. But then it made me think: Was I doing that to be involved, like to feel included, or was it just something I generally wanted to do? And I, can, I think I can honestly say it's just something I like to do. Like I've at least been to driving ranges and i just hit the ball as far as I can. Like, I enjoy that. Playing a bit of golf is very different. And even how you dress on a golf course is very different to how I would any other day. And then even like, we've, I've been on a few Wavemaker ski trips now. It's a similar case. Like, probably one of the few black people on the slopes, but I just enjoy sport. I enjoy just getting like straight into it, having fun. The parade is a bit different to anything I would normally do. Like Tobe said, like the drinking and apply in it's not necessarily the music I would do at home but you just just get involved in it and I think there's that inclusive side to go the other way so it's just as you have more black employees or people from different backgrounds you'll just have people doing different things and just like a multicultural diverse mix like whatever it be whether it be food music going out
4: it it will change that stuff fascinating and i think businesses can learn so much from sports the golf's a great example isn't it where and lewis hamilton is doing the similar thing in formula one at the moment i mean to use golf as an example the greatest golfer that's ever lived is was a black man right tiger woods but yet he has even with that being a fact well, it's a matter of opinion, I suppose, but it's my opinion. So therefore, for the purposes of this, it's a fact. <laughs> they, uh, they, they um, The people that run the game of golf have been unable to change the sense of the culture within the sport itself to mean that black people feel like they belong in, in the world of golf. To your point, you were the only black person on the course last Friday. You know, uh, is, is golf a game that only white people have the ability to be able to play. Of course it's not. So, you know, why is that? And you have you, you can no longer just accept that the kind of systems that exist within the world of golf are designed in the right way because, you know, it's not by chance that there are not more black golfers, right? So you have to change the system. Formula One being the same, predominantly white sport, but yet the greatest Formula One driver statistically, possibly after the next race that's ever lived... Is a black man, Lewis Hamilton, so the system's wrong it isn't until you shine a light on that, and people in those sports, in businesses in society they just accept it 's not a personal attack on you as a person you can 't help who you are you 're not doing it intentionally, but it is a fact then things begin to change it 's happening in some industries it's certainly happening in our industry, and i'm sure that it will happen at speed in in sport and things like the Take the Knee campaign in football and the stuff that Lewis Hamilton is doing and the stuff that's happening in the US with the NFL and stuff like that is just incredibly inspirational, isn't it? And so
0: I'm sure it will accelerate things. Agreed. Can only hope for these changes that we're seeing in society to continue going in a positive direction. We'll get into about the end of this episode. So I just wanted to go around the room and get one last token from each one of you. This takes me way back to coming from the lakes. I was brought up in
2: the lakes and barely saw a black person until I came to university at Manchester many years ago and nothing I could do about that, that was just a fact. But my love of music helped me very quickly realize that the world was a diverse and wonderful place. And I've got many very fond and, and passionate links to kind of to bands that helped me do that uh, and the message for me is as a kind of white man in his 50s is you have to stand up and be counted in this because if you're
0: not you're part of the problem that's real I hear that um rob you got any last words for the people i just think that what's really struck me i guess
4: over the last 12 months is uh, the shock that I had, and I'm very happy to, you know, obviously admit this, and because you have to, about what was happening in front of my eyes that I could not see, and I couldn't see it. It's been a, a, a quite a humbling experience the last 12 months, nine months particularly, to have to go through that. And I've told uh, the story recently about, to a few of my friends, about, um, so I've got two, I've got three children, but two young children, and and they're all boys. And so one of the things that sometimes you want to do as a dad, aside from if you're into sport and football teams and get all to follow the same one, if you can, is is to you almost you sometimes want to recreate your own childhood through the eyes of your children. And so you have to be of a certain age to be able to appreciate this. But I sat my seven year old down and said to him, I know what's going to be really good for you, Samuel, you need to watch this programme. I used to watch in the eighties called Night Rider, Incredible. Program who doesn't love a bit of Night Rider, right? Amazing. So he was like rolling his eyes, going oh, whatever. But anyway, I sat him down and, and got him into it, and I suddenly realised that every single bad character in Night Rider, every single I don't know what the, what the right expression is really, but the, 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 none, none of the superstar characters in Night Rider were black. None of them were black. All of the baddies were black. All of the all of the peripheral characters were black, and I, I was I was like, oh my god! I I never knew, I never I couldn't see what i what I didn't know was there, and I and I turned it off. And so, what gave me hope about that is is that the last thing that we need to do is recreate the 1980s, the 1970s, the 1990s for the for the children that we have in the world today and our business today. And that sort of is a long journey round to where we're at in this business and. And where we're at in society, which is we have to unpick what we know to be true, because it isn't true. And having now realized that, I, I, I feel empowered, if you like, to make mistakes and try to drive change. And it's been, a, been an awakening for me and my seven-year-old's thrilled that he doesn't have to watch David Hasselhoff driving around in a Trans Am. So it's a win-win.
0: Uh, that is lovely and I, I definitely feel for your son having to watch that it's, it's not it's not a show for kids guys. It's not in show.
4: hindsight it's so. <laughs> a Hutch
0: any last words
3: I would just want to finish up by saying this is all about how we individually and collectively show up act and behave as wave makers we can talk about targets which I absolutely believe in, and they're going to be tough stretching targets. That's my nature. Whatever the whatever the the, the area of the business, I normally set quite a challenging target. We can talk about policies, and we can talk about programs, and we can talk about bodies, but it's about what we all do. It's going to be our collective efforts that are going to make the real tangible and hopefully speeded up change that we all believe in and we all want to experience. In our business. And I think we're, it's an exciting time. Our proposition is about provoking clients to help them grow, to help us grow as a business, to help us grow as people. And we will only achieve that ambition and aim through having diversity in our business. It's absolutely critical if we're going to achieve what we want to achieve as a business that we make that change within our, with our businesses as soon as we possibly can. I'm pleased with what we've done in the past and and, and the accelerated progress that we've made this year, but it's about what we do now that's really, really important. And you've got our absolute commitment as a leadership team and and the business is committed to this being top of the agenda, not bottom of the AOB list. I hope we can continue this fantastic conversation and this open, positive dialogue that that we've all enjoyed today. Um, and really um, provoke each other to achieve what we think that we can achieve
1: and that wraps episode four thank you again to hutch rob and mick for their time it's much appreciated and thank you to you guys for listening
0: don't forget to keep sharing the podcast and all that fun stuff okay bye